This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to A Game of Two Halves, a sports podcast by The Straits Times, coming to you this week from the cellars of the SBH Pleasure Dome. I'm Jonathan Roberts, and I'm joined by SD Sports Correspondent Lim Se-Heng. Nice to be back. It is indeed. Although, last time you were here, we were talking about fighting and bad behaviour. And now you're here again. Well, it's fighting and bad behaviour. You have become the bad behaviour correspondent. That's right. How <laughs> unfortunate, though. Okay. The incident that we're particularly talking about is that on Sunday, October 21st, in the Singapore National Football League Division 1, in the game between Jim Carner and Katong, a fight broke out and a referee was taken to hospital. So, Heng, what actually happened in this? This is actually a story done by my colleague Shamir. What happened was that during the 80th minute of the match, the match referee was struck in the face and the neck after he showed a red card to a Jim Kana player. So the referee was replaced by the fourth official and sat at the sidelines before he was sent to the hospital. The police were also called to the scene. And after that, Shamir spoke to the Jim Kana president who said that the club has sacked the player allegedly involved and will accept any punishment uh, given by the FAS. What is interesting or rather unfortunate about this incident is that this is actually not the first instance of violence in the National Football League, which is the amateur football league run by the Football Association of Singapore. Well, no, when I told a colleague about what had happened, he basically rolled his eyes and said, not again. This has been a continuing problem with the amateur leagues. Quite a number of incidents have happened over the last few years, but to my knowledge, at least three incidents have happened since the landmark FAS elections last April. Last November, there was a mass brawl between the SAFSA and their Division 1 rivals, Santec uh, Mariners, whereby punches and kicks were thrown and all these were was captured on video. 11 players were punished with fines of at least $300 and bans of at least four months. Wow. So what can FAS do to tackle this issue? I think FAS has done what it can. Of course, it can do more. Any organisation can do more. But in the FAS elections last year, the current president and his team promised more support for NFL clubs, which formed a majority of the voting members then and still are voting members now. Some of the things that were promised were sponsorship deals for the league, insurance and medical coverage for the players. I think the FAS has mostly held up its end of the bargain and I think it is up to the clubs and the players to realise that, hey, they are in a serious amateur league and there are opportunities for players in the NFL to jump to the Singapore Premier League and earn professional contracts and it's up to them to police their own behaviour and you know just keep their hands to themselves on the field. So what can the clubs do to stop it? Well, I think Jim Kana has done the right thing in sacking the player and not letting such bad behaviour stand. And I think this sends out a message to the rest of the clubs that they should not tolerate bad behaviour um, among any of their, their players or officials. But I think a lot more needs to be done at the amateur level, especially if some of them harbour ambitions of eventually joining the Singapore Premier League as well. So if within the clubs, they don't impose certain disciplinary structures, uh, punishments or rewards or otherwise, our standards of football will never improve. Well, here's hoping that things get resolved. 
Once again, thank you, Sehang. Thank you. And now on to Light Affair. Well, at least I hope there's no violence going on at the WTA finals. Our colleagues have been reporting on the wonderful world of the Women's Tennis Association finals here for the final time in Singapore. Our colleagues at Money FM spoke to them just the other day. The Curve with Michelle Martin and Bernard Lim replay from Money FM 89.3. It's a Tuesday today, and right here on the Tuesday, it's Spot On. Uh, today, we have the Straits Times sports journalist, uh, Nico Chia, who's at the Singapore Indoor Stadium for the WTA Finals. The last edition of a tournament is underway before it moves into Shenzhen. One of the main reasons, uh, questions rather, at the start of any round-robin competition is which group is tougher. The red group has an edge in the Grand Slam titles won in 2018, thanks to Naomi Osaka and Angelique Herber. But the white group boasts a significant lead in total titles collected this season and features the defending champion world number three, uh, Caroline Wozniacki. Well, the biggest draw this year has to be the US uh, Open champion, Naomi Osaka. Um, tell us, Nico, what reception has she been receiving in Singapore so far? She's been getting quite a good reception. I mean, she got the loudest cheers at the draw ceremony and gala night. And also, yesterday during her match, there were really loud cheers for her and, you know, signs in, in English and Japanese. I saw one that said Naomi number one. And then there were quite a few Japanese flags as well. Okay, Osaka is in the red group together with Angelique Kerber, Sloane Stevens, and Kiki Bertens. Which two players do you see reaching the semis? Honestly, it's very difficult to answer that question. Yeah, it is. Everyone is so even right now so I mean it's, it's really quite impossible to, to pick you know two players because really all the all eight players are so evenly matched and they're, honestly they're trying to separate themselves from one another right now mm-hmm. Okay tell us about the, the white group I mean we've got Angeline uh, Caroline uh, Wozniacki mm-hmm. uh, Petra Kovitova Elena Svetolina and also Karolina Pliskova uh, yep. tell us about the white group as well um, Well the white group will be playing today actually the, the second match Caroline Wozniacki descending champion is she lost the first match so she needs to win today and, and Petra Kvitova also lost the first match so today she needs to win as well mm-hmm. yeah and you know that match is going to be quite interesting because Caroline Wozniacki is such a good you know defensive player she just runs for every ball and gets most of them as well and Petra I mean her her forehand is just amazing so if she attacks then it's all going well for her and for both of them I really don't know how to pick the winner for this match yeah mm, okay Nicole before we let you go it's going to be final call for the WTA soon what do you think its impact has been for the local tennis scene oh okay um, I was just speaking to the Singapore Tennis Association's Deputy General Manager Lofan Tay about this last week and you know he pointed out that one of the, the key initiatives is you know the SPA and SP Global Tennis for Every Child program and he said you know, there used to be 8 to 10 primary schools who are competitive at the junior level for tennis, but now there are 27. So that num- that's how the numbers have grown, and, you know, there are about 15 kids a year who, who are getting tennis experience. Well, fantastic. The numbers say a lot. Thank you very much for joining us. The Straits Times sports journalist Nicole Chia there. And it's a big story when it comes to the intersection of money and sports. Last week, sports marketing agency MP and Silver, or MPS, wound up by the UK's High Court. That made all the headlines. This after a petition to dissolve the company was brought by the French Tennis Federation. It alleged that MPS had defaulted on rights holders' payments to the Federation since June of last year. Questions also remain on whether the Football Association of Singapore received the full amount of a $25 million media rights contract that it signed with MPS back in 2015. David Lee, sports correspondent for The Straits Times, joining us live now. David, what other payments does the company still owe and to whom? I I think... um 
you know, in such deals, uh, they can be very smart about the wording. 25 million, we don't know whether it fits uh, entirely in cash or in kind. Um, so we, we are not privy to the details, actually, but investigations are, are on the way. Uh, you have to wonder whether the FAS did get full value, even in kind. You know, uh, the deal covered global media rights to the FAS national and age group teams, sponsorship rights and international events. And over the past three years, you have to wonder, you know, what kind, what kind of teams have, have Singapore played, you know, uh, through MPS uh, partnership. Um, the biggest that, that comes to mind is the friendly against Argentina. Mm-hmm. But you, you wonder, you, you, we don't know, you know, whether it was through MPS or not and, and how much did they get back in return. Mm. So, yeah, those details, uh, FAS will, will have to fill us in. So right now, so obviously you are chasing this story as well. Or your team is chasing this yes, story our team, uh, with uh, Football Association of Singapore. Right. So, so not much update there at this moment? Yeah, um, we are chasing the story. That's okay, right. okay. Uh, what, what are the details of the deal signed between uh, MPS and the Football Association? I mean, for the benefit of our listeners, you can just capture some broad strokes uh, about what you, know, what you understand. Yeah, like, like I mentioned, you know, uh, MPS will, will cover the global media rights for the FAS national team and, and the age group teams. Unfortunately, you know, our teams have not been doing well internationally in the past few years. That could bring down the value a little. You know, teams may not want to play us and, and, and so on. FAS were also hoping to, to tap on, um, you know, MPS extensive network to arrange uh, overseas training stints, which I believe they have, and, and friendly matches. You know, they, they were aiming, targeting for four to six high-profile matches. But like I said, you know, those were, were few and fine between. What do you think is going to happen to MPS? It's, it's really, up in the air. Yeah, it's, it's, up it's in the any, air for now. Anybody's guess, you know, they, they've wound up operations uh, in their global office. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as we know, when we went down to the office here, there mm. were still people working there. So, yeah. When was that? When were um, you last there? Last week. Last week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, okay. let's move on then. Barcelona captain Lionel Messi will miss approximately three weeks because of a radial fracture sustained in his right arm. So, three weeks out, what sort of games is he going to miss, David? Um, if we are looking at the next three weeks, um, he'll miss... Probably six games, mm-hmm. three league matches, two Champions League matches against Inter Milan, and one cup game, which, you know, probably they're going to rest their big stars anyway. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to miss matches because of injury, I know it's funny to say this, but you'd rather have them earlier in the season than, than later, right? That's and, true. <laughs> and in three weeks, it's not as bad as three months or that, more. That's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah. So, so how, how serious is the injury? I mean, how much you have understand about the injury? And, and is Barcelona kind of rushing his recovery time? I'm sure Barcelona would definitely want their star player back as soon as possible. But it's a radio fracture, as you mentioned. So it's not like he's got a, a leg injury. Um, so I, I don't think it's that bad. Three weeks um, could be a good rest for him, you know. Okay, and to what extent do you think Messi's absence is going to impact Barcelona's standing in La Liga? Okay, for sure, it's definitely got, a, got to have a big impact. I mean, he scored seven goals in, in nine games. Uh, mm. He was crucial in the 4-2 win against Sevilla. Yeah, they're, they're going to miss his, his influence, his goals, leadership, etc. But that's, that just means that the other players like Luis Suarez, Osman Dembele has got to step up. Looking at the league table, it's pretty tight, you know. It's just six points separating um, the first team from, from the 11th team. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, still early stages. So, they'll miss him, but he'll be back three weeks. No great shakes, I think. Well, thanks for helping us get our sport on. David Lee, the sports correspondent for The Straits Times. That was an SPH podcast. 
Find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts and streaming on Google Home. Do send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at straightstimes.com and bt.sg.